You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey everybody, it's Adam, live and in person for you. Hey everybody, it's Adam, wonder who he'll interview. Hey everyone, it's Call Me Adam, and on today's episode of Bearing It All with Call Me Adam on the Broadway Podcast Network, we are talking with Tony Award nominee Charles Bush. But instead of discussing his performing side, we are going to talk about the other side of his artistry, his painting and drawing. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Charles Bush. Hi, Charles. Hey there, Adam. How are you? Oh, other than just losing my mind here in solitary confinement, uh, <laughs> I couldn't be better. Couldn't be better. Terrific. Well, I'm so excited to have you on the show. And I'm even more excited to talk about your drawing and painting because it's something that we've never talked about before. And I, I really only see you talk about it on Facebook here and there. <laughs> so um, well, I don't think I've spoken about it ever. No, I, I was going to say, I mean, in other interviews, too, I've never seen you talk no. about it at all. So I'm thrilled to get this exclusive interview. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what did how did you um oh i i love being compared to hedda (laughs) in some ways maybe not all (laughs) yes well in this way i am okay so how did you first get into drawing and painting i guess it's really always been part of my my life in a sense but i'm really a um i would say i'm very much a a gifted amateur Mm -hmm. And, and 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 really uh, visual art has uh, kind of been an adjunct to my interest in theater and, and, and movies. When I, I was, I think I was just somehow lucky that I was born with a, a gift for drawing faces basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, so when I, I was a kid, I was just always, always drawing, but my interest, my big interest from uh, birth was um, acting and, mm-hmm. and writing for theater, but uh, yeah, I always drew and uh, and but my early drawings as a, as a kid at, at eight years old were of Elizabeth Taylor as Cleopatra or or J- Judy Garland. Oh uh, wow! It was, it was, I never really drew um, just um, you know from imagination. It was just usually Vivian Lee or. Uh, mm-hmm. Or, or I, I don't know. I, I was sort of obsessed with 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 um, whores, you know. I, <laughs> my and my sister, my older sister as well, was just two years older than I. And oh, at one point, I had a big bulletin board in my bedroom, and I was very young. I mean, I ten years old maybe. Mm-hmm. My sister would be twelve, let's say. And we, we had, this, had this big bulletin board, and we we somehow created the cross section of a. 1890s bordello (laughs) (laughs) and we were just very into it and it must have been from movies it must have been Del Watling and Gone with the Wind or uh, Mm. whatever scenes there were in old movies that had had brothels and then later um, seeing the uh, paintings of um, Toulouse Lautrec Mm -hmm. I mean and and my apartment today looks like a whorehouse (laughs) as did as did uh, the set of your most recent show, The Confession of Lily Dare, was 
set yeah, in, a, in a whorehouse as well. Yeah, I don't know what the. <laughs> I must have been, maybe in a pre, I must have been a previous life, been a, a madam or a, or some kind of a prostitute. And, <laughs> uh, theater's form of prostitution anyway. So I guess I, you know, exactly. I mean, I'm able to tour on the block. <laughs> I love it. And you do spend a lot of time, as you said, paint painting and drawing a lot of women it, what is it about um about the human form that you love to recreate as opposed to uh you know like painting uh nature or other art forms i think i've just always found you know human beings um fascinating and i, I was never really an outdoor person mm-hmm. i was a very typical gay child and uh, rather solitary and with a lot of imagination and content to being in my room. I grew up, obviously I, you know, grew up in a heterosexual world. Mm-hmm. That I didn't identify with and, and, um, uh, was not athletic. So I, outdoors wasn't really, um, a, a safe place for me mm. in a certain sense, I guess, emo- emotionally, if not, literally yes so i um people and then of course i started watching old movies on tv at such the earliest possible age and i was also um you know my father who you know uh, my sisters and i thought was just fascinating and and rather elusive so he would choose what movies we'd go see so when I was eight years old, we were, I was seeing judgment at Nuremberg and whatever happened to baby Jane and Oh, wow. Gypsy and, uh, to kill mockingbird. Uh, you know, we, I really wasn't, I mean, I saw the Disney movies when they came out, but, but by and large, you know, I saw adult films. So I became so en- enraptured with adult stars. Mm. It fascinated me. And I would, and I, and I started buying movie magazines you know, uh, when I was a kid, instead of comic books, mm-hmm. and really, 1962 seems to be the year that I first year I really remember and uh, outside influences. And so Cleopatra was in all the news. Elizabeth Taylor was in all the. She was the front page of every movie magazine. So I was very enraptured with her eye makeup, her <laughs> look, and so I was doing a lot of drawings of. Of Elizabeth Taylor, Cleopatra. Oh, I would, I would love to see those. Well, they don't exist anymore. Oh. <laughs> I've really never been. I've been very cavalier about my uh, the saving artwork. I because I've never really taken it very seriously. It's it's mm-hmm. it's such a on the on the scale of what my uh, artistic artistic interests are. It's way below uh, theater and, and acting, and and I, I've. Uh, my my personal history with it is that my my aunt Lillian, who was a big influence on me after my particularly after my mother died when I was seven, she um, was fascinated by me and anything that I would turn out and encouraged any kind of interest that I had. And I was very how lucky is that? Um, so many kids had a fight to get up. For, uh, some parental interest or encouragement. No, I, anything I did, I was, uh, was genius. I really was very spoiled, spoiled in that way. And then totally ignored by the outside world. But mm. in my home, I was, 
I was a genius. Uh, so it, it was just it balanced somehow the, the, the two. Yeah. I, I was very bad in school. I've never really, I've, to this day, I have enormous powers of concentration and discipline and focus when it's my very specific interest in writing or acting mm-hmm. or, or studying theater or film history. I fantastic, but anything else I, I kind of tune out and, you know, I was just a failure at all my office temp jobs and all the, the, this is the crazy jobs I had to do before I could earn a living in theater because I, um, I would give maybe 50%, mm. 35%. Well, <laughs> because your heart wasn't in those yeah, jobs. Yeah, I resented at all. I right. that I, you know, I couldn't earn my living in my chosen profession that I had to spend at least all this, all this time answering telephones or, <laughs> or, stuffing envelopes or you know i didn't have the skills to be you know some sort of computer person or something you know i just was always the, you know the lowest of the low of the office tent temp grunt work so i was supposed to be in new york just for the summer and then it was clear that if i returned to my school in westchester that i would just slip right back into my old patterns mm-hmm. so she had to get me into school and it was so late this was also this is you know early August school starts in September. She she felt that uh, the high school of music and art would be a good fit for me. And and, and for me to be an art major, there was also the high school performing arts, like in the movie fame, but Mm. I I would never have gotten in there. I, I, um, my love for acting at that point far exceeded my abilities. She, Mm. She thought that it was a safer bet and, and probably better make, make more rounded to, <laughs> to get into music and art. But that seemed impossible because it, you had to take an exam uh, to get in an art test, you know, and have a show portfolio a year in advance. You can't it, they don't just let you in, you know, two weeks before school starts. Right. So it, was, it was sort of impossible. She kept pursuing it and somehow this great miracle they decided to hold a special exam for about a dozen kids, including me. And so I, I had to throw together this portfolio of my best pictures of prostitutes and Betty Davis. And, uh, and then, um, I would go there and sit sit an easel and draw a model and a bowl of fruit and then a sort of self portrait or whatever. So I, I did, and it was very, the next agonizing thing was that my school in Westchester started a, uh, a week before music and art. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't know if I got in to music and art. So I had to go back to my old horrible school. And in some cases, the same teachers who, who flunked me the previous year. Oh my God. The math teacher, Mrs. Hunt. <laughs> and, uh, yes. And, and I, uh, Oh, it was, it was horrible. I went back in and I could totally feel myself just slipping right back into the, this awful lethargy and just despondency. Mm. Uh, and then one day, and I, and I think I was back in Mrs. Hunt's math class, a monitor came into the classroom 
and so there, there was a note, a message for me. And I, I assumed somebody maybe had died because so many people died in my family. And mm-hmm. so the whole class is sort of watching me and I get this note and I open it up and it was just four words. You're in Aunt Will. Oh. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I had a great sense of drama. So I just, you know, there seemed to be no point in sitting there anymore. So I just <laughs> got up to my seat and left my books notebook and i just walked out of the room and and down the hall and this is him, excuse me excuse me and i just kept walking ahead walked right out the door never turned back <laughs> the greatest moments of my entire life oh my god yeah so i went to high school music and art as an art major um you know but even there really my all my everything i did seemed like the the, the teachers always would mutter um theatrical <laughs> Even in your drawings, I don't think it really was meant as a as a compliment. It's just mm, theatrical because everything I drew seemed like a, a set design or a costume design or you know a portrait of you know some the very dramatic portrait of a woman. You know, I just always loved loved women and found women much more interesting than men. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. flamboyant women, colorful women, redheaded women. <laughs> Do you think that love of of women and flamboyant women that you were drawing? Do you think that influenced your performing in how how with your drag persona? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Before I could embody that woman, I drew that that woman. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I and I think that. When I started doing drag in college, um, I was, I think I took my, I was influenced by certainly the visuals of what I'd seen in, 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 in well, movies, certainly Greer Garson and um, Norma Shearer and Betty Davis, um, Viv- Vivian Lee. Uh, and then, I think, you know, my aunt and, and, and my, and my mother, who I, I really hardly remember anymore at all, but, uh, I was sort of raised with a certain mythology of my mother and the photos of her that were so beautiful. And, and so the women in my family had an elegance to them. And, and I, I just think that the, the, unlike, you know, there were many, many, probably most drag performers, there's a certain element of the sexual outlaw in their persona mm-hmm. of outrageous and uh, highly sexual and defiant. And that was never um, part of me. And I, I think it's that I was so early on just influenced by, um, by my aunt's fashion sense mm-hmm. and then the aesthetic of old movies that that's what I wanted. That's what I needed to evoke. That mm-hmm. was the most important uh yeah, so right from the very beginning, I mean, you know, everything becomes refined as in, as you continue. But but the very first performances I did, I were uh, as had elements of pathos to it uh, as well as comedy. And you know, my aunt Lillian, you know, used to sort of model her own fashion sense after uh, Jackie Kennedy and uh, both Hepburns. Mm. Catherine Hepburn on screen, not her kind of offstage, but and Audrey Hepburn. 
So therefore, you know, and she, my aunt was kind of flat chested and angular, like those ladies. Mm-hmm. And so here I am flat chested and angular. <laughs> it became natural. That's who I would, the kind of lady that I would want to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new 2023 Ford Escape is the perfect getaway car. Featuring an available 13.1-inch center stack screen, 360-degree camera, and Bang & Olufsen sound system and spatial flexibility for extra legroom. The new 2023 Ford Escape. Learn more at Ford.com. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Priceline presents Go to Your Happy Price. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. You can see yourself already there. It's beautiful. It might be sunny and sandy for some, neon and urban for others, deserts or rainforests or hiking trails. With Priceline, you can get to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else. Like up to 60% off select hotels to Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to Priceline.com and travel to your happy place for a happy price. All right, see ya. I'm off to Miami. No, actually, wow, look at that. No, I'm going to Hawaii now. Ooh, Cancun looks nice. You know what? Belize looks pretty nice this time of year. Or, mmm, Palm Springs. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, yeah, but I, uh, so I, I, but then, then the, ne- the next chapter in my, my career as, a, as an artist um, was uh, I, after I, well, in college, you know, I, I was just so scholastic. I went to Northwestern and you had, I had to get a liberal arts education as well as being a theater major. Uh, and I just still, it's not scholastic. I just can't, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. And, uh, but I, I was able to, um, beef up the, uh, my grade point average by t- taking whatever art classes they had. Cause I was always going to get the best mark. You know, <laughs> any kind of drawing right. class. And that would, I actually, one point I was on the Dean's list and, and when I sent it, the news to my aunt, she was like, you gotta be kidding. <laughs> what? I can't, be- I can't believe it. And it was strictly just because I had taken, I think two art classes and, uh, and then some kind of, I had um, done an independent study for theater, and, but but anything that really was, you know, geology or any of this, you know, failed, flunk. I just can't, can't, couldn't do it. Couldn't, yeah. couldn't do it now either. Um, yeah, but so I, so I was still doing art classes in college. And then when I graduated, you know, I started the whole, this took 10 years of struggle of trying to earn a living while pursuing my career as a, a uh, actor, writer, performer, uh, Ann Lillian one time said, you know, she, you know cause I, occasionally I'd have to get a handout from her, you know, cause I just couldn't pay the rent. And mm-hmm. she was, she was an eccentric woman. And she, she, she said, you know, I really, she was giving me a lecture at one point, you know, I can't keep subsidizing you. And, uh, I, you know, you need to, you really need to find something to fall back on. I was like, what? <laughs> said, Being an artist, you're so talented. So what are you talking about? She's being a painter. You know, she's a Tony Bennett makes a lot of money uh, selling his paintings. And, oh, are you insane? I said, 
you know, and it's because he's a star, you know, being a painter is more difficult than being a, 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 a movie star. So, anyway, so, but then I, I thought about it. I thought, well, I could be a quick sketch portrait artist, mm-hmm. but I was too middle class to ever do it on, on the street. Um, but I saw an ad in the, I think it was in the times, the one ads that, that, it, um, there was a, a portrait artist concession on the boardwalk in Wildwood, New Jersey, mm-hmm. uh, looking for artists. And I submitted a couple sketches, pastel portraits, and, and I was accepted. So I sp- spent the summer, uh, I spent two summers there, but so I went up there, uh, but it was a very specific thing. Now they weren't caricatures. This was the kind of uh-huh. thing people do, you know, the kind of realistic pastel, oh. you know, profile or full face. And yes. You know, yes, but it was a very specific thing you had to do. And when I first, I'd never done this before uh, professionally. Mm-hmm. I think the first portrait I did of a young girl just wasn't quite flattering enough. It was, <laughs> it wasn't quite right. And so Florence, the woman who owned the concession, she, she said to, to me, get up, get up. And she sat down on my easel and oh, she took these kind of day glow colors she had. And she had big hair, and big eyelashes and big rosy cheeks. And, you know, just, kind of made the nose a little more pug nose and, mm-hmm. and the girl, you know, it was a teenage girl. She loved it and mm-hmm. she preferred it to what I had done. So that, that was, I had to try to figure out a way of incorporating this sort of thing. And, and so it was, it was very interesting. And I did that. I, so I did that two summers in Wildwood and then uh, kept trying to figure out every angle to continue doing that. Um, then I, I, I worked as a portrait artist at the New York Renaissance Fair for five mm. years. And that was very lucrative to me. Um, I had, I had a, my boyfriend at the time built me a little booth, you know, and uh, I uh, kind of leaned to. And I, and I could make, you know, in cash. Now, this is 1980 uh, 80 to 84, those summers. There were five weekends, I believe. And I could make about $350 tax-free in cash each weekend. Oh, wow. That's a lot of money. And that was 1984. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and that was like this great nest egg that I could then live off of in between. Cause at the time, during those years, I was trying to make it as a, um, solo performer monologist. Mm-hmm. And I, I booked myself. I never had any kind of management at all. So I, I just somehow would book myself in small nonprofit theaters, uh, around the country. And that was before Limbo Lounge. Yes, yes. Okay, okay. Yes, and so um, I did. Um, so, so you know, the the thousand dollars or something that I would would have made in the summer, I could parcel it out between the occasional month long six week engagement in San Francisco or Santa Cruz or Chicago or Washington, D.C. So I did that. But I do remember uh, specifically that the Renaissance Fair, um, well, there was this one young girl and her and her, her, her horrifying mother, and I would draw this girl every year. They'd come to the Renaissance Fair. And f- finally, the mother said to me, I think the fourth year, she said, uh, and just think, you know, in 10 years, we'll still be coming here and you'll still be 
drawing my daughter's portrait. And I said, I just had much of a look of, of horror. And I said, no, no. And I vowed, I vowed and said, I cannot, I cannot use this crutch anymore mm. as a portrait artist. I, I have to, something has to, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I, mean, I never for a second had doubts that I was going to give up my, um, performing dreams. I it never, never occurred to me. Never. That's good. I thought something's got to give. And, and then by this incredible miracle, uh, I went, Oh, and it was partly due because of the limbo of, of being a portrait artist. I, I had, um, become friends with a very fascinating woman, uh, Bina Sharif, who was working as a performer at the Renaissance fair that mm. last summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, She's, she's uh, had a wonderful career as a, um, a, a writer, a performer, activist, still going strong. Uh, anyway, we, at that point, so she was sort of posing as a kind of gypsy fortune teller at the Lance House Fair. And she was supposed to just go around and harass people, you know, because uh, she wasn't really a fortune teller. Right. She was local color at the uh, Renaissance Fair. But most of the time she would just hide out, get out of the sun and hide the back of my, my booth reading the Sunday <laughs> Times. We became very good friends and she's a fascinating woman. And when I, uh, this, during the, um, after this Renaissance Fair was over, she um, sent me a flyer that she was performing uh, a solo piece uh, at the this place called Limbo Lounge on Avenue C, and I'd never been in that neighborhood, which was really scary in those days. Uh, yes, yeah, it had been completely gentrified, except for these just little pockets of dance clubs and art galleries. So, so I, you know, I've told the story a hundred million times, so I don't really want to get to it. But the just being, I saw being a perform, I was so enraptured with the Berlin 1933 atmosphere of. Uh, limbo lounge mm-hmm. that I immediately uh, asked Michael Gormley, AKA Michael limbo, if I could perform there. And he looked on the calendar and gave me some dates and I started, you know, threw together this little skit basically called that I titled vampire lesbians of Sodom. And I got friends of mine together to be in it and Ken Elliott, my roommate to direct it and be in it as well. And, so we just, you know, didn't have to raise any money. It, literally, we did it for for no money. So, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did thirty five dollars for postage. It was basically it. so. Wow. Yeah. And uh, and then that and that I was in the right place at the right time, and mm-hmm. it started my career. And from that moment on, I I could earn my living. Yes, and yeah. you didn't have to go back to to the portrait artist from no, that. No, no. And I and the thing, the kind of the awful thing in a certain sense was that I totally identified drawing and painting with bad times. Mm. I do find it interesting that as a child, you know, growing up and, and you, uh, how much you love drawing. And then as you got older, you unfortunately made the association with mm-hmm. bad times. Yeah. And now, it's, and like you have, it was like being a waiter. Yeah. Like a waiter. Yeah. And now you have picked it up again here and there in your adulthood. Yeah. Um, Cause I know a few of the, your pictures on, on Facebook. Um, there was one of, uh, let me just find it in my, um, there was one f- uh, that got commissioned for, I think, was it Turner movie classic? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, um, and you've, you've done drawings of Julie Wilson and Julie Halston. Um, 
you did a drawing of Madonna and Child that you've but not, 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 not Madonna, not the Madonna, Madonna but it was Madonna. Jesus' mother. Yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I make that clear. Yes, clear. Not well, the singer Madonna. Well, I, I sort of kept my hand in a little bit that in my plays, occasionally we would need a prop of you know the the portrait of Lady Sylvia, my character, you mm-hmm. know, or um, portrait of Angela Arden. That was in Die, Mommy, Die. I would, I've got an ability, I can draw in other people's styles. You know, Mm -hmm. I might have had a career as an art forger. That probably is what I should have done. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I can draw in the style, like one style, the style of Keen with the big eyes. So I did Mm -hmm. that or um, Augustus John or, yeah. So um, I would do those for um, occasion for the, or we needed, I think, Lady what was the leading question? So some play the portrait of the grandfather on the wall. So I, I, I would do that. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah. I, I, um, so, so I kind of kept my hand in, but very little. Uh, and then, um, I don't know how many years ago was it sometime during the past decade, uh-huh. I guess, I guess I, I think it, it might've been during a period where I wasn't, or as between plays, not, not working, writing something. And, uh, I think I just decided, oh, why don't I just try drawing something for my own pleasure? Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I, I go through periods. I haven't, I haven't touched anything in a while, but I go through periods where I buy a lot of expensive art supplies and uh, it doesn't last too long. But I, I, I'm just very, very critical of myself and mm-hmm. in, a way, in a way that I'm not when it's my – you know, my true interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I think that, and I, and I think this might define what the difference between amateur and professional uh-huh. yeah, as a writer, as a playwright and as an actor, I, I'm, I'm kind of fearless. I'll, I'll try, I'll try anything. You, you know, if I get a note from my director about trying something with the play, you know, I, I, I won't think twice about it. Well, I'll try it. And if I fail, did, did my best mm-hmm. yeah, or, or even acting on stage, you know, I, I'll, you know, I'll jump out the window if you ask me to, you know, try it, you know, but mm-hmm. in, with um, visual art, I, Oh, eek, uh, Oh, I can't draw hands. Uh, I'll skip the hands. I'll just do it from the waist up, you know, with that mm-hmm. chin hands or, or, you know, yeah, stuff like that, that, which I'm not that way in, in my chosen field. And I think I think that might be the di- one of the differences between amateur and professional, just that kind of fear. Where do you think that fear comes from in the drawing, as opposed to uh, I guess I guess the difference between like you were saying between amateur and professional. Yeah, I'm just I'm insecure. Uh-huh. insecure. I, um, yeah, I give up easy. Mm. That's you give up easier yeah, with the drawing. I won't give up in the writing. I just, well, I'll just keep at it and, you know, I'll fail, but I, I, you know, but I, I won't give up, but I, I, I'll give up if I get frust- frustrated by my own, um, own mediocrity. Uh, and yet, and yet I'm so harsh on myself because sometimes I'll, I'll go back five years later, because it might be five years before between, uh, deciding to draw again mm-hmm. and I, I'll look I'll go through these all, all these pads of paper I have and portfolios of misfires from the previous enthusiasm 
And I look at it, what am I talking about? That was good. Mm-hmm. That's, that was a nice drawing. You know, they're, they're that one of Julie Halston, actually, that I posted on Facebook. That's yeah. a very nice drawing. And I don't know why I just dismissed it. And, but looking back, but no, that's good. What was I talking about? I'm so, so harsh, hard on myself. Have you ever thought as a challenge to yourself to maybe try to um, do an, an archer like of your work to see, just to put it out there, to see what it's like to sort of push through some of that fear? No, well, that'd be a good idea. I did have one art art show. I don't know, it was many, many years ago. I, I think it was before it was before I um sort of got my, my break in theater. Mm-hmm. But there's a bank near near where I lived and I somehow I don't know why. I, I guess I'd seen so many of the crappy pictures they had on me. <laughs> well I can do I can do as well as that. Yeah. I'm better than that, but they're terrible, you know. So uh so yeah, so I had I had an ex- art exhibit and I think I I think I sold something. Yeah. But, um, so now um, uh, going back to TCM, um yes. I, oh, I guess it was about six years ago maybe, uh they were having their twentieth I think it was their twentieth anniversary on the air. Mm-hmm. And I, I've I've had a kind of a relationship with TCM. They they say I'm part of the TCM family, although they, they haven't uh-huh. called me in a while. <laughs> anyway, they were having a promotion for their 20th anniversary, where they asked 20 celebrities who had were known to have some sort of interest in uh, visual art to create original artwork based on theme of classic film, mm. and that they would show them in a, a gallery show in LA as part of the TCM film festival. Mm-hmm. So, so I was asked and it was a very crazy eclectic group. I was very flattered. It was, uh, Kim Novak and, uh, Jane Seymour, Joel Gray, Todd Oldham, Manoli. Oh uh, oh, I just a very eclectic group of, of, people yeah yeah they all and, and some of them are you know really very fine artists well yeah there are a lot of a lot of uh, like tony bennett mm-hmm. <laughs> he wasn't among this group yeah so anyway so i did uh, they, it was they had to be a it was an odd shape because it had to be letterbox shape mm-hmm. on, on tv and but one of the great threats so they, they actually um paid for me to come out to the tcm film festival in LA and it was very exciting. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful event. Oh, I had a ball. Uh, and, uh, I went to see, I think the wizard of Oz at Grauman's Chinese theater as part of it was one of the scheduled events. And, uh, and I was sitting there in that huge Grauman's Chinese. And it's so magical that, that place. And, and before the movie started, you know, they, they uh, had just kind of, what do you screensaver? I don't know what you call it. <laughs> things you know, on the screen. Just and anyway, they they suddenly there was all of our our paintings were 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 projected on this huge screen at Groundless Chinese Theater, and it went very oh, wow. fast. Oh my god! Oh my god! There, there I am. <gasps> and so I, I got my cell phone out. And I was trying to catch it for the next go round because it was. Oh. Like, Got it. <laughs> that was thrilling. Oh, that's exciting. Yes, and and then the the exhibit um, uh, at, was at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel, and they had um, the only celebrities who showed up were uh, were 
Kim Novak and James Seymour and, and me out of the 20 oh, wow. who came. But they get, uh, had a little reception at the Hollywood Roosevelt. And before the public was allowed in to see the exhibit, they gave us kind of a private little view. Uh-huh. And, and uh, so I, I went with my friend Ashley Morris, who's a wonderful young oh, I love Ashley. comic and, and actress and stand up and she went with me because she was she was living in la at that time and i don't jane seymour didn't quite um wasn't very interested in me but but king novak and i just i don't know we bonded in this rather prof- deep profound way i think it was i was going through a a, a late midlife crisis at the time <laughs> and was feeling very very vulnerable and she's a very vulnerable kind of lady and she you know she left hollywood in the late sixties and mm-hmm. married for many, many years to a, a, a veterinarian and lives in Oregon. They raise llamas. I mean, she is totally oh, wow. different. She's very kind of cosmic and spiritual. And she was very sweet and kind. And we went into the gallery to see our, our pictures before anybody else did. And my, she had, she's a very fine visual artist and her picture was based on elements from her movie vertigo mm. her picture was near mine and each picture had a little pin spot on it but somehow the pin spot on her picture was slightly askew skew and and half her picture is in shadow and she you know not in any nasty kind of way she um said to somebody said you know would you please fix the um the um, the, the light mm-hmm. and of course mr novak and immediately someone was on a ladder and they were adjusting adjusting your light but she and so she's this very cosmic lady and she, our whole conversation was just she would say to me oh your your radiant spirit is <laughs> what brings you on this part of your life's journey and i was just like really oh thank you kim uh and, and at a certain point i said to her oh it looks like um Looks like they fixed the focus on your your painting, and her voice totally dropped. And she said, "I took a lot of shit from Columbia, and I'm not taking any more shit today." <laughs> and you know, as a young star at Columbia Pictures, you know, she they really were you know very hard hard iron. Yeah. And then she kind of got right back into oh, your radiant spirit, uh, and then I, I later I said to her. She asked me where I was, what I was doing for the rest of the evening, and I said, "Oh, Ashley and I are going across the street to Grauman's, the Chinese. I'm introducing a screening of Whatever Happened to Baby Jane." And I said, "I love that movie. I think it's Robert Aldridge's best film as a director." And Kim said, "Robert Aldridge directed me in The Legend of Lila Claire. He, he wanted me to do it with a German accent. I wouldn't do it. He dubbed me in. I could have done it." And she, oh, she like really, the past and the present, you know. Really, very real to her. Oh my gosh! And then, then, anyway, then she kept right back into Art My Darling, very soft, Kevin. You know, it was a fierce. We actually, oh. we, to this day, we just relive 
Not again, here, the Turner Classic. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. That was one of the high points of my career as a visual artist. And, and then they, they took all of our pictures, our drawings, and, and had them as greeting cards. And that was, it was just one marvelous, marvelous. Oh my gosh, that's wonderful. Speaking of greeting cards, you actually you made a greeting card for your Aunt Lil. Uh, that had a picture. You had it on Facebook. It was like a picture of like you and her for her birthday one year. Have you ever considered maybe doing a greeting card line? Also, maybe as like a tiptoe, like a like <laughs> tipping your toe into getting your art more out there. I mean, I think you're so talented, and yeah. you're welcome. It's such a a fascinating part of your life that um I, I do feel like a lot of people would love to see more of it. I, I, you know, I should maybe, you know, listen, I'm certainly in a place right now. So I can't walk out the door practically. I, I really should. I had a number of big writing projects that were keeping me so busy in the first two months of the pandemic. And I was just so focused and, and I finished them all. And now there's nothing. Oh, there's nothing. And so I, I have to find something to occupy me. So I, I think, I guess it's time to get out the pastels. Yes. Yes. You know, I think I'll be doing that. I just, sometimes I, it's just hard for me to come up with what I want to draw, you know, cause I'm so limited to faces and do it. Cause I do believe that if, you know, if you have a, a gift, you know, you, yeah, you should try to ex- exercise it. And Anne William has always come into my rescue and we, I would get an assignment to do a woodcut you know, in, in, um, at high school of music and art. And uh-huh. I wasn't working with the, I would put the, you know, I couldn't find, well, I couldn't find the exact tool to make this, the exact thickness of line to cut and nobody to help me. Mm. And I couldn't, and somehow the ink wasn't spreading evenly. And I would come home and I said, it's not, not getting it. And so my aunt, she had the most extraordinary, uh, level of concentration. I mean, she just would not give up. Thank God. I mean, she didn't give up on me. Yes. You know, they also have just like, he's, he's failing out of school. Flunk is, he's just got to flunk. No, she, she never gave up. And so we would, you know, we had this, we were living in Murray Hill, but she had this tiniest little kitchenette, you know, tiniest little kitchen. You could, you know, only two people could kind of squeeze in, you know, and you really could hardly pass, scoot past the other one, it was a very tiny little New York kitchenette. And, um, but she, we would be in there trying to work on trying to figure what, where I went wrong. And, uh, and we would just experiment and experiment. And then inevitably I would just get bored, frustrated and tired and go to bed <laughs> and she'd just be up all night trying to experimenting with different tools. If she would find in her apartment, you know, different kinds of knives and things. And by the time I woke up in the morning to go to school, she, she would have figured it out. She'd say, okay, lay it out. And this is, I found, I experimented. Here's four different, four different knives that I used. And I think this third one is the one I think will do exactly what you want it to do. She was right. And then she, then she said, what, what you're doing wrong is I discovered that the, um, that in the most infinitesimal way, the wood block is, is warped. And that's why the ink isn't going spreading. It's not your fault. It's the, it's the, um, it's, we can't even hardly see it, but it is warped. So yeah, I mean, so she was like that. And then other projects, she was just, she became my unofficial, I guess today you'd say project manager. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. just got so into it 
And uh, I don't know. I mean, somebody might say that that's not fair or something, but I know what she, what was so great about her though, is she would like, like a project manager or assistant or great assistant. Mm-hmm. She would just do like, like this, you know, legwork, you know, and, and provide me with all these possibilities that she'd just worked on and, you know, analyzed. And, and then, then I would, she would provide me with these tools. And then it was up to me then to, mm-hmm. to create something and be the, be the artist. And she never t- wanted to take credit for anything. She just, I, I think that, and I've only recently thought about it because I've been working on this memoir for ages, which I finally finished and it's kind of out there now. But, mm-hmm. uh, I used to see it in a rather simplistic way of of it just being this completely selfless act. Mm-hmm. What I what I find in a way more more interesting is that she had been my aunt had been a, a nurse early on. She had been a teacher, and she was a wife. She never had children of her own. Uh-huh. She, she was then she was this you know Park Avenue lady of leisure. Mm-hmm. Always self-educating herself, studying French, teaching herself French and German and philosophy and all these things. She was really, I I think, genius intellect. But I allowed her to be an artist. Mm -hmm. One thing that she never, and yet she was, you know, she could sew her own designs, sew her own clothes. Mm. But I somehow, I think at this very earliest age, and I, I get choked up just thinking about it, just, she just was a, I'm in an emotional place anyway because of this. Yeah. Itself and seeing, <laughs> not seeing anybody. And, you know, I'm very lonely. And uh, anyway, um, she, I think, was just enraptured with this kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, his, <sighs> in his imagination, you know, she liked it. It was magical for her. And she, uh, and so to be my uh, assistant in all these projects, kind of uh, gave her uh, a way of being an artist, and I think that's very wonderful. I think everybody wants to do. So many people would like that, and and so we were a great team that way. But it was never there was never any ego on her part of uh, well, I helped him and. You know, uh, he, I, was, I was part of this thing. And, you know, we would have in her apartment, you know, her, every, the wall was just covered with all of my, my paintings and, and, uh, and the multimedia project and the woodcut and the lithograph and all these things that she was involved in. And whenever, you know, somebody would come to the apartment, she would, you know, give the tour of, the, you know, of all these things. But it was very interesting. She, it was, Really, it was never about her. Yeah. You know, see, occasionally she would. She did enjoy the backstory. <laughs> you know, she would explain, you know, and I'm just there. Like, I don't know if they're interested in all this, you know. But like, oh, and we, you know, we we worked on this thing. We, <laughs> we were, you know, until he, he figured it out, or you know. But yeah, it was um, it was it was fa- fascinating. That she, the pride. Yes. And and. Uh, Oh, and that I did win this, I think it was kind of a prestigious thing, the National National Scholastics Award uh, for this one pen and ink drawing I did of um, 
of prostitutes on our balcony <laughs> in, in the 1890s, you know? Wow. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And she, uh, you know, and they all kind of looked like, I know, like the madam kind of looked like La Delenia. They all kind mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. really closely. <laughs> one looked a little bit like Audrey Hepburn, you know? But, uh, yeah. Uh, but she was so proud of that. I actually won this award mm-hmm. for, for visual art. Yeah. That's so great. Well, I think that's um, actually a great way to to end the interview on this high note um, because we are actually we are out of time. <laughs> this well, was fun. this was a fascinating interview. Thank you so much. Well, I'm uh, so glad to talk about things that I haven't talked about before. Yes, me too. Story. I used to tell the same three stories, and I'm sure people think, "Oh God, here he is again." With the, I mean, if I hear about that limbo, why <laughs> one more time, I'll scream. No, this was all new stories. So I, I loved it. And I know everybody listening is going to love it. So um, um, everybody listening, do check out Charles's Facebook page for a lot of his artwork. Um, I do hope you, you do a, a show at some point in the future. And um, thank you for being a guest. Well, it's always fun. We've been doing this for a long time. Yes. Adam, and it's, uh, you're a wonderful interviewer. And oh, thank, thank you. Thank you for, for having me on and giving me an opportunity to talk about something that I nobody ever asked about. Oh, you're welcome. Maybe you inspired me. Perhaps I, perhaps now, in, you know, in, in my loneliness, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll try to do some more artwork and, and maybe I'll have a show. Well, I hope so. I <laughs> hope so. And thank you again. And to everybody listening, also remember here at the Broadway Podcast Network, we have over 60 theater and art related podcasts. So keep listening. He'll get the dirt and the scoop and the story for he happens to be in the know. Just ask anybody who's had him, had him, lived for the business of show. Call me Adam.com. Find more episodes of Bearing It All with Call Me Adam at BroadwayPodcastNetwork.com. And everywhere podcasts are streamed, including iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play Music, and Stitcher. Follow me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at CallMeAdamNYC. For my print and video interviews, visit my website, CallMeAdam.com. And finally, if you really want to get involved, become a member of my Patreon page at Patreon.com backslash call me adam nyc there you'll get exclusive perks including behind the scene photos videos and everybody's favorite swag <laughs>